Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Are we live? We're live. We're live with Gross Anatomy, where we explore the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it relates to movies, TV, pop culture, the world around us, and books. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. I thought you were going to introduce our special guest, the voice you heard earlier. Yeah, and today we have an incredible special, special guest. One of our original, one of the the gang, the band is back together. The gang is back together. One of our original hosts, Jacqueline Broussard. Hello, hello, hello. It's my pleasure to be here. Happy to be back. Hi, Jack. Wow, you're back. How long has it been? Did, did either of you look up how long it's been since Jackie abandoned us? Oh, on gross anatomy. That's, that's, I mean, like a um, we started about like two years ago, though, when Jackie and all of us like started creating it. Has it been that long? I think so. I'm getting old. Wow. Yeah, we, have to, we have to look at those dates to see when we first started and then when Jackie abandoned us. <laughs> it's a leave of absence. I feel like that's nicer. Course so is that? From home because of COVID and my dog's uh, yeah, yeah. So what's going on? We we um you, you left us to become a major influencer player, eh? Far from I left um just kind of like explore the world a little bit and get out and see And then COVID hit. And then COVID hit. And uh, now we're now I'm grounded like everybody else. Right. But um it's good. It's been nice readjustment to life and what's important and yeah what you want to so, do so. so people don't know so people you, you used to do medical marketing right marketing for and you you did the marketing for my surgery group practice the surgery group of los angeles that's how we met yes. and then then you helped us start the three of us started this podcast and now what are you up to these days jack now these days um i'm doing like business development, not so much marketing, but a lot of just like business development and management, um, particularly right now for this startup. So what else? So what are we doing today? So I thought it would just be um, fun and interesting. Um, I mean, I I no longer work with you on the day-to-day, but um, Dr. Cohen has saved my life and many of my friends' lives. Thank (laughs) you. Wow. In an instant, he's a phone call away and they're constantly asking me, 21 questions. So I just think thought it would be fun and enlightening for everyone to just get a chance to hear from a professional like yourself. Um, some questions you might be scared to ask when you're in, um, you know, an exam room or just little bits of information that might be useful. I'm late to the cool club and I just started watching euphoria. Um, Mm. so that, um, opened my eyes to a lot of things that I thought I could incorporate in our little podcast today. How far along? So we also just watched that show, my wife and I. I've got How like two long more episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm in the trenches. It's pretty disturbing, isn't it? It's really raw. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not a teenager, so I can't say to what degree or how... That's um, your 21, girl. right? You're 20 now. You're 20, not a teenager, yeah. but 20. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, day yeah, over. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a little 
scary. I mean, as I'm getting older and, you know, thinking about having kids myself and stuff like that. Um, and then I had a teenage brother who, um, is no longer with us. So my mind started spinning out of control, to be honest. Um, I think that's why I waited so long to watch it. Yeah. But it's, you know, seemingly becoming more and more real, but it's very graphic. Yeah. It's really well done. It's like a great show. She just won, um, an Emmy for it, right? Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, she did. She yeah. She's amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing her in Dune. We, did we talk about Dune? We yeah. did a little bit. I'm excited too. The trailer looks Yeah. Awesome. I think but, she's yeah. also casted in the next Spider-Man. Oh, well. I just well, she's been in Spider-Man. Oh, has she? Okay, I see. I'm yeah. Marvel. But um, yeah, no, it's a really, so disturbing to watch that show. It really is. Yeah. You have teenagers. I do. That's, that's why it's disturbing for me. If I, and I have teenage daughters. Exactly. So that's why it's really disturbing. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to play 21 questions with. Yeah. I love it. What do you got? I was going to lead off with something totally different, but since we're talking about euphoria, I guess we could just stay with that to start. So I, um, I'm not a teenager, but I definitely have friends and we live in LA that, um, party quite often. And I uh, just, in one of the episodes, um, well, I mean, it starts, it opens with her overdosing. And I just thought to myself, what would I do in that moment? What do you do if you walk into a room or walk into a house or have a friend collapse on the floor and seemingly is having an overdose? Uh, do you like pour water on their face? I mean, obviously you call 911, but in the meantime, do you roll them over if they're foaming? Yeah. Not? Like, what do you do? You know, I don't totally, I, I mean, the obvious answer, like you said, is you call 911. And, and sometimes you hear these stories about, you know, the frat parties where, you know, their friend is, uh, is like out of it and they just try to smack them around a little and they don't call 911. You know, that's, that's the frightening thing is, is a lot of these kids don't get it and don't call 911 and don't want to get into trouble. You're going to get into trouble either way. So you may as well call 911 is kind of the most important thing. Um, but that's a good idea. You know, you definitely don't want them laying flat on their backs. If, if possible, you don't want them laying flat on their, on their bellies either. So if you could see, if they're awake enough to be seated, that's better. Certainly laying on their sides is the best of laying down with the head up a little bit. The main thing is calling 911 and getting help as soon as possible, but that's gotta be a scary, scary thing to walk into. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine it literal like too literal for your podcast but i had a friend recently um that was out and um they thought they were given cocaine and it was actually ketamine mm. and they were like completely paralyzed completely unresponsive i wasn't there but i i heard the story after the fact and i feel like that's ketamine has sort of suddenly come onto the scene and i mean from what I know, it's like a horse tranquilizer or something, right? Well, it, it's used in, in anesthesia too. I, I don't have much experience with it, but I know it's now on the recreational drug market, which is amazing, which I, I don't even know how these kids get it. It kind of baffles my, or people get it. I, I don't understand that. So my other question was, we talked about what do you do and we're totally jumping back to the euphoria. Can so. I, can I, you know what? I know you have a list of questions and you sent them to me, thank, thankfully, to give me a heads up. So one of them, I think, something about alcohol. What was your question about alcohol? Oh, okay. My alcohol question. And there's, was, a reason why I'm at, there's a reason why I want you to talk about I that. I have an alcohol question and I have a mixing of drugs question. 
Let's do the alcohol one because I, I'm going to tie it into what we just were talking about, interestingly. Okay, so alcohol. My question was... I think you should how, blame it on the a, 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 a alcohol. Look how cool you are. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how much does alcohol play into the development of disease? Like, you know, you hear the one glass of wine a day is great. I sure have a bourbon at the end of the day or scotch drinker. Okay. But like a casual drinker, you might have a couple nights a week that you go out with friends and drink. Like how much Yeah. alcohol a poison? Like, yeah, alcohol is poison. I mean, it's totally a poison. And that's what's interesting is, and yet there are doctors and studies and, and everybody says, oh yeah, one glass of wine is, is good for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the, and I think that's I also. I that motto, so don't crush my, my dreams. What's that? Like the one glass of wine a day is my motto. Of- Oops, sorry, we got the dogs there. We got the dogs barking. So my, my thoughts on that are, it may not be bad for you, and maybe there are some certain benefits to to alcohol, maybe. But the reality is, is it's such a big business, it's such a big source of revenue and income that I don't think anyone's going to start saying, you know, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to see people really saying stop drinking because it's too big an industry and too big a business, just like healthcare, just like. That, that's the reality. And I think that's why we see those studies because they're like, oh, we got to figure out a way to support drinking alcohol. Interestingly, I don't think cannabis is, 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 is necessarily as bad as alcohol. I don't think, you know, in the big picture, I think people are going to have some kind of vice, you know, I, I think, you know, so I think if you're picking a vice, I, if you could not pick a vice, that's the best thing. Your vice should be working out and studying and learning and being kind to people. But if you're going to have a vice, I think in moderation, cannabis is probably a better vice than alcohol in moderation. Does alcohol consumption aid in the development of a disease process like cancer or obviously it's going to give you liver issues if you're extreme alcohol? Right. Like, does it aid in the development of disease growth? So, development? you know, I don't know if anyone's ever studied. That's a good question. I don't know if anyone has ever studied to see, does it, is there a link to alcohol and cancer? It might be out there and we could do some homework and check. Um, we do know that some people in excess, it causes liver damage, death. And it could also occasionally cause, even like in a rare episode of drinking, someone who's not a big drinker who just happens to drink one night we see people getting a disease called pancreatitis, which could range from mild to fatal, which is an inflammation of the pancreas that lives near the liver and in, in, in the middle of us, in the back of us, that kind of helps break down. It's, it's a digestive um, organ. And what can happen is, is because it's such powerful digestive enzymes, if for whatever reason it gets irritated and inflamed, it could start digesting itself and the body. And that's why it can range... Pancreatitis could range from mild to fatal, but it could even turn into like a chronic debilitating disease. And occasionally you see it and, oh yeah, I went out drinking one night. I'm not a drinker. Boom. Chronic pancreatitis the rest of your life. I just wonder if you're ever going to do with alcohol what they've done with cigarettes where they slap a big label on it that says causes cancer and people still consume it, obviously, but like, you know, don't don't tell your patients to not drink. 
Yeah, I mean, it could cause liver cancer and liver damage, and it could possibly cause pancreatitis and then brain stuff and and all the other bad things that could happen to with it. But in terms of a direct cancer link, other than that, I'm I'm not totally sure. And it may just be that it's shunned because alcohol is such a big thing and such an important thing to the world. And what always cracks me up is, you know, you take in we take a social history from patients, drugs, alcohol, this, that, what do they do? And you know, a lot of patients say, you know, when you look at the definition of alcoholic, I think it's someone who drinks every day. And and yet we're kind of encouraged by society, by science, to have a drink a night of red wine. And so, you know, I often think to myself, you know, when someone says, oh, yeah, I like to have a drink at night. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, to myself, I almost want to say to them, oh, so you're an alcoholic, you know, but God, you know. My God definition is that. if you cannot not go a day without drinking. If right. you can't physically go a day without drinking, you're an alcoholic. But well, that's someone who's 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 hooked on it, you know, physically. But that's not necessarily the definition of alcoholic. Alcoholic, someone who who has a I don't know. You know, I have friends who come home, have a drink every night, go to bed, have a drink every night. Sometimes two drinks. Okay, but let's and say that's that- the norm. It, and it's such a weird thing, you know. But to okay. some degree, I I don't know. But when patients fill out like they have a drink a night, like do you talk to them about that? Or do you just think that that's normal at this point? To some degree, I'm envious. You know, I wish I had the ability, the, the amount of free time to, to be able to have a drink a night. Not, not that I would, but, but I, I... You wouldn't tell a patient they have a problem. I would never say to a patient they had a... I, about... Like if they marked to have a no. drink a night, would you say you might consider... No, no, but someone who says, you know, I have a six pack a night, you know, that I may say, yes. You know what I'm more, what I look at more is patients who are on chronic pain medicines. I do tend to tell them, um, only because I'm, I'm a big fan, big believer in medical cannabis. And I think a lot of times, um, there are now doctors and studies showing that they're able to get patients off of chronic narcotics using cannabis, and then they get off the cannabis. So it's not like they switch to cannabis, but it's a nice bridge to, to detox off of narcotics. So I do tell some patients who are taking pain medicines for, oh, I have back pain or neck pain. I say, you know what? And I even refer them to a particular doctor who I think, who we had on the show, Dr. Sherry Yafai. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's had some great successes in getting people to be on less narcotics. Not not necessarily off of them, but but some of them she's gotten them off narcotics, but at least less and other sleeping, you know, other things to help with sleep and all of that. Well, that alcohol question came from a girlfriend of mine. So I hope she's listening and I hope she got her answer because she was, she has a family, a strong family history of cancer. And she's like, should I not be drinking this like alcohol, like increase my likelihood of developing cancer that already might run in my, she was like very paranoid that like. So I think in moderation, it's okay. In moderation, it's okay. I don't think every drinking every night is necessarily a good thing unless, no, I don't think it's a good thing. Um, I think having a couple of drinks a couple of nights a week is is fine. Um, so I think in moderation, it's okay. So you could reassure she's okay. Cigarette smoking, as we know, is bad. Um, vaping is bad. Vaping has increased. How bad are they for real? They're really bad. It's it's really bad. And, and it, not only that is, 
I do think it leads to, especially in young people, it does lead to smoking and, and other things. So we know it's bad. The inhaling, breathing any chemicals like that, we're, we're not supposed to be inhaling weird chemicals into our lungs. Why are it's, they it's, permitted? Why is this a thing? Well, it was... Anytime anybody walks by our house, our dogs bark. Oh, yeah. The mind um, so why is it permitted? Because the, the selling point was that it's a, uh, a tool to use to get patients to stop smoking. And to some degree, they've, they've had success, you know, going from smoking to vaping. Smoking a cigarette less bad or more bad than inhaling some weird chemical? Vaping, I think certain vaping might be better, believe it or not. Um, although I'm not totally sure. I, I, I must confess, I don't totally know. But supposedly there are more carcinogens in smoking, at least the cigarettes, compared to the good, healthy vapes or whatever. Got it. Okay. But, I, but it's not good. So let's segue into my other question. And sorry that these are all drug-related, but... Right. Why are your questions drug-related? Because binge-watching Euphoria, and I had ah, got it, got it. paranoid state. The mixing of drugs. I feel like um, more and more in, you know, within pop culture and just within the youth, like recreational use of narcotics and Adderall and like all of these like mixing of drugs. I've had, um, there's been several stories of girls um, in the Hollywood scene that um, had too much of too many different drugs and didn't wake up in the morning. And yeah. I have a lot of friends who like, you know, wake up in the morning and they take an Adderall to get through their crazy work day or their school. And then, you know, we go out and we'll have a few glasses of wine and maybe they also smoke weed or maybe they do cocaine. I don't know. Or maybe someone slipped them ketamine. And then, you know, they wake up the next morning and take two Advil because of the horrible hangover. And then they grab a cup of coffee and then they pop another Adderall and then we're back up next night. So like what... Are there like things, obviously no one would encourage you to mix one with the other, but like, all like, what is it? The upper and the downer thing that's putting people into these like toxic shocks. <laughs> You're asking me how to party safely, basically. I mean, I, I just feel like no one has the wherewithal to care. People just yeah. are out here doing reckless things. Yeah. And it just seems like there's no knowledge. But it's, with, but it's with all medications. You know, occasionally we'll prescribe a medicine for a certain patient and, and the pharmacist will call me and say, hey, did you know this patient was on so-and-so and you could get a weird reaction because they're taking one thing and another thing. So the answer to that is try to limit all the funky substances you're taking, whether it's prescription medicines, if you can, you know, try to be healthier. And it seems like, is it, you, it seems like it usually ends up being like painkillers too, that like cause a unknown heart condition or something like when they mix that with other things. Well, the, the two things usually that, that kill someone are either um, crazy elevations in blood pressure and heart rate. So then it's like a heart issue. Um, and those you tend to see with more upper kind of drugs like cocaine and stuff like that. Someone has a massive heart attack or someone blows their blood pressure up and has a stroke or something, or it's the sedative drugs, the sedative drugs where they are too drugged and they, they actually die because they stop breathing because they're, they're too sedated or they, you know, choke on their vomit or whatever. My other segue question then from there, um, 
had to do with, I mean, I, I don't want to say it has anything to do with the medical industry itself being to blame for why there's all these like recreational drugs on the streets and everything like that. But um, it was, I was sitting with Dr. Rena and she had said, you know, I've spent quarter of my life or half of my life studying to become a physician and you might feel differently, but she said, and all of my training and all of my education, I was always taught how to treat the problem. I was never actually taught to spend time wondering why the problem arose in the first place. Yeah. So it's like you have a patient, they walk in the door, standard care says you give them this or you treat them this way, you take them to surgery or whatever it may be. <clears throat> and I think it, I've, it's played on my mind a lot, especially during COVID because it's like, it, it, yes, we have a new disease upon us, but like a normal person could deductively reason that like you should get out and get some sunshine and exercise and stay healthy and eat healthy and lessen your likelihood of having a weakened immune system. Like all of the sort of like, duh, kind of things that people just seem to like overlook and hysterically panic and like, you know, don't know what's going on. But my question then translates into... Do you feel like prescribing these kids Adderall or, you know, giving patients like you don't like to give a lot of patients narcotics in the hospital unless it's absolutely necessary, like having more physicians like you who don't just like shove pills at people to fix problems instead of spending more time, you know, trying yeah. to figure out how to actually fix the problem in a natural way? I, I think um, I think the way healthcare is going more so now, I think we're finally, doctors, health care providers are finally now starting to think about uh, those things and less about, you know, just putting a Band-Aid on it or just, I definitely think there's more of an approach towards, you know, whole body care for sure. Um, I, I definitely see that um, with a lot of the newer, younger doctors coming up and coming through. I think specialists still you know, surgeons, we see a problem, we're going to cut it and fix it. I'm a very rare surgeon in that I spend extra time with my patients talking about diet and exercise and nutrition and trying to get off narcotics and do and, and other stuff um, because I think it's important and I, and I care. Um, um, but I, I think most specialists don't don't think that way, most, or at least they may think that way for themselves, but they don't necessarily incorporate that into their practice because they're so subspecialized and they're dealing what they're dealing with. But I think, but I, you definitely hear about it in the news more and books more and in, in just in terms of reading about healthcare, about just caring, trying to be more preventative rather than just reacting to to um, the diseases. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I know you had asked the, you, you gave me the question before. And that's one of the reasons why I try to be as plant-based as possible. Cause I think there's a lot of health benefits to eating better. Um, and it's also one of the reasons why over the last two to three years, I started trying to be more active, but I think it's good to strive. One of our S's, right, Lauren? Yep. To strive. We talked about our S's. So striving is one of the important S's that we should we should follow is to strive to eat better, to move better, and to be better. So yeah. you knocked one of my questions right off the list was is being a vegan or you know, trying to eat as plant-based as possible healthier for you? Yeah. Would you give that advice. 
And I think it is because I think animal products cause inflammation in our body. I, I, we do know that. And I think there's also have been studies showing higher cancer risks in people who eat a meat-based diet, animal protein-based diet compared to a plant-based diet. There's a higher cancer rate. And people who have cancer who switch to a plant-based diet, um, I think do better. All right. That's my segue for COVID. And this will be my last topic. Good. Um, I haven't seen a visit. I mean, I've gotten tested three, four times now because I have older parents and a dad with some comorbidities. Um, so for their health and safety, I've yet to get it, knock on wood. How scary is this? How scared should we be? Can we be socializing? Obviously wear a mask. I get it. But like how unhealthy is it to be wearing this mask and not be in the sun and breathing it? I mean, I know you do it for 14 hours a day, but. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are for the sake of my fellow man who might be less healthy than me. If I go outside, I respect the fact that I should wear a mask because it protects me from spreading something I may have or vice versa. So I, I don't have well, a what if you got What if you get tested and today, do you need to wear a mask today when you go outside? Yeah. Why? You're negative. Well, I don't want someone else's spit flying into my mouth. Oh, okay. You were saying you want to protect fellow man. Well, yeah. I, I, I think in a less selfish way, I, if it were my choice to go outside and not wear one, I probably wouldn't because I'm less scared that I'm going to right. die from COVID right. because I'm a yeah. healthy young woman. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't. Um, right. I do it because I know it's safer for everybody else and I'm not right. going to test it every day. Yeah. So. And we talk about... Um, but they're asymptomatic carriers that we don't know. So that's the reason why we wear a mask. But if you're out in the sun, you know, is it everywhere? No, the answer is it's not. And theoretically, the sun should kill it in several minutes anyway. I think the reason why it is what it is is because it's brand new and we know nothing about it and, and, and we're still learning about it. And I think the problem is, is it's time. You know, we're not going to really know anything for time. What I'm going to be interested in knowing is, I think we've talked about it before, is because of all the precautions everybody's... I have two interesting questions. Because of all the precautions we're taking, is there less colds this year, less illnesses this year, you know, communicable diseases? Are those going down or up? So that's something that I'm really interested in, especially like in the hospital. You know, one thing we talk about is what's called nosocomial infections, which is infections that a person gets while in the hospital from being in the hospital. And I'm wondering, are those numbers going to go up or down because we're taking all these extra precautions and I'm, I'm sure, I hope someone's looking at that because that'll be really exciting to see. I'm interested to see how, you know, this whole sheltering in place and, you know, the rise in depression and all these things are going to play into the flu season and in the rise of COVID as it gets colder. Yeah. How we're going to come yeah. out. Those are all good questions. Good questions, Jack. I don't know if I helped. I, I don't know if I helped. Forever. Yeah. I, I don't know if I helped you and your friends at all. I hope I, did. Hope I, I, um, hope I did. Jordan and I are getting ready to move into a new place. So maybe in another couple of weeks, we can both jump on with you and we can pull some questions from our social media platforms and get some people involved. In, uh, oh, that would be great. Maybe we can even do like a live Insta thing. Yeah, that'd be so fun. We should go live. Yeah, let's do a live Insta thing. Okay, cool. Jackie, thank you so much for finally doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you let us get the gang back together. It's actually so nice. We have to, uh, I'm going to be a regular guest, so. Love it. 
That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us at Gross Anatomy. Thank Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gross Thanks, Anatomy. Jack. Bye. 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 That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.